Hello and welcome to this NLive's Open for Business podcast platform. My name is Adrian Price, the guy from the university, as I keep saying, with the perfect face for radio. And I host a show every Tuesday from 7 to 9 p.m. called Open for Business. Open for Business celebrates the very best of business in Northampton and Northamptonshire and brings together business, civic, charity and indeed academic leaders to talk about the business environment, to talk about initiatives and projects, especially where, they're, where they are all working together for the good of the community. So enjoy these extended interviews on this podcast. They're now set up as a standalone for you to savour and uh, to learn from some of the movers and shakers in the county. Enjoy. So last week, we tried to explain the mysteries of this, uh, this strange beast, Semlep, that I referred to quite a lot. I'm not sure everybody really understood it. Southeast Midlands Local Enterprise Partnership, regional development, you know, trying to make sure that um, the community and, and uh, businesses can prosper and th- thrive. And having got our heads around that, now we've got another um, organization comes into play. And this is a very exciting one, I have to say. So it's called The Arc, and we'll, we'll hear a bit more Oxford-Cambridge Arc. But I'm delighted to welcome to the show Bev Hindle, who is the executive director of the Oxford Cambridge Arc Leadership Group. So welcome to the show, Bev. Um, you better tell us really this Oxford Cambridge Arc concept, please. Certainly, Adrian. Thanks for having me on. The, the, the idea of the Arc uh, has been around for a very, very long time. And, and you know, I think it's had several different iterations of, of the, the varsity line and, and the golden triangle. Um, but what we've really landed more recently is this geography of Oxfordshire, Northamptonshire, uh, Buckinghamshire, uh, Bedfordshire, and, and Cambridgeshire, at least the ceremonial counties of those places, working collaboratively together with government uh, to be able to realize really not just its economic potential, um, but whether we can actually bring the public benefit along with us as part of that. And that's why the, the group that I represent, which are the, the, the councils, or many of the councils, not all of them, I'll come on to that in a moment, uh, the universities and uh, the LEPs across the arc, most of them anyways, working in a collaborative way to try and better their opportunities uh, for investment, but also to improve their places going forward. So it's an old concept, but something the government gave a little bit more sanction to following the National Infrastructure Commission's review of, of, of the arc potential. And at that time, I think it was called CAMCOX, but it's been changed to Oxford to Cambridge arc. And the government are the ones who've, who've settled on the geography I just outlined a moment ago. They see it as a as a region of economic significance, uh, which we agree. Um, and we're working with them to define what that means and how we can make sure that we can improve that region and, and not take its economic performance for granted. Okay, so just go through those counties again. Oxfordshire, Cambridgeshire, Bedfordshire. That's correct. Oxfordshire, Cambridgeshire, uh, the, uh, which includes Peterborough, uh, the former county of Bedfordshire, uh, Northamptonshire. And I should be very, very clear that while Buckinghamshire, the, 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 the geography of Buckinghamshire is included within the government's definition of the ARC, um, in my leadership group that I work for, Buckinghamshire Council is not part of that group. They've chosen not to be part of that, as has the Buckinghamshire LEP and Buckingham University. But all the rest of the universities um, and almost all of the uh, local authorities across that geography are part of, the local, uh, part of that leadership group. Okay, so there's probably a story there. We might come back to that. But this is an unincorporated body then, really, just of, as you say, all the interested stakeholders come together and you sort of are the um, the magician that brings them all together, right? (laughs) Well, yeah, I'd be careful on that that, that kind of a (laughs) definition, although there is some magic to perform sometimes to get that many people in the room together. But yes, my job is to to help them be organized, to help them have a voice 
um, and really to work closely with the government ARC team, because there is a team within government, uh, it's housed within MHCLG, um, but has officers from several of the departments within government, but really be that go-between, that liaison person to try and help, uh, as I say, try and help that conversation go forward about how we can do much, much better. And, and yes, my, my job has changed. It was a, it was, it was a part-time role, but it's about to become a full-time role to be able to help them do that. Okay, so MECLG is the Ministry for Economy. Uh, apologies, uh, the, uh, that's, that's always one of our world. Um, the Ministry of Housing, Communities and Local Government. Right, okay, so you've got politicians to the left of you, politicians to the right of you. Um, that's quite a challenging role, I would think, Bev, no? Yeah, quite literally left and right and centrist. Um, we also have, uh, as I say, we have three of the four uh, local enterprise partnerships or business boards as part of that. Uh, representing many of the businesses across the region um, and, and councils indeed, and then obviously the universities as well. So um, although the university group is there as a member of the ARC leadership group, and, and perhaps a conversation you want to have at another time about their affiliation called the ARC universities group, they are a very fundamental part of that narrative, particularly the, the, the narrative around innovative growth uh, that we want to pursue as part of the ARC's narrative going forward. Yeah, so you have got, though, a broad spread of stakeholders then. So business is represented as well as uh, local government, civic authorities. Correct. That's absolutely right. Well, that's, that's, is that, I think that's reassuring. I have to, I'll take that as being reassuring um, with no slight meant to anybody. So Oxford, Cambridge, clearly as the two stellar universities that we've got, you know, as well-known brands throughout the world. I mean, I think we can see why. Um, I've heard it said that the Oxford Cambridge Arc wants to become the Silicon Valley of the UK or of Europe. Is, is that, would, would you identify with that sort of comment? Um, I, I hope we aspire to be a lot better than that, frankly. I mean, I, I don't want to describe, it'd be, it'd be difficult to, to argue the economic success of Silicon Valley, um, but I don't think it's quite the right comparator. I think the problem, if anybody who's been to the Silicon Valley would realize, is it's not actually a particularly um, uh, easy to get around place. It has a lot of, uh, of negativity around some of the places that have to, you know, where people live or, or can afford to live or can't afford to live. We, we aspire to something much more holistic than that. I think we, we know that the government sees the ARC as an economic region, as an area of significant economic potential, um, but we are striving very hard to make sure there is no disconnection between the success of our places, our communities and our people, along with a quality environment as part of that economic success. So I think we aspire to something different. I think we, sure, there's, there's always a tech component here, but if you look at the industries that we have and the sectors of our growth, it's far more than what you would assume or, or attribute to something like Silicon Valley in terms of its reach and its potential uh, across the globe in terms of the networks, not just Oxford and Cambridge, but many of the other universities, including Cranfield, Open University, um, and, and, and Brooks and others who, who are very, very uh, well connected globally. So I think, I think we can do better, frankly, and I certainly think we can do better for our residents and our communities as well than perhaps uh, they've had the track record in Silicon Valley of doing. Well, that's a very upbeat message. So there's an element then, not just a pure hard economics, but placemaking, community, making sure this works for everybody, because obviously things like globalization have been under criticism that it, it, you know, it's not working for everybody, right? We want to have a, you're gonna help us have a pleasant place to live and work, is that right? Uh, that's absolutely right, Adrian, but I think it goes much even deeper than that, but definitely placemaking. I mean, us in local government like to throw terms like that around and, and really not mean, you know, understand what we mean, but there's some very specific challenges for us in the ARC. I mean, it would be very easy to say Oxford to Cambridge, it's all right, isn't it? It doesn't really need any money or investment. It'll do just fine. But there's a couple of things that were very important that we have to pay attention to. So one was the National Infrastructure Commission found that 
while this area has a great economic potential and it does have the potential to grow quite significantly, it has suffered and will continue to suffer if there is a continued decline in investment in infrastructure for this region. And it will not achieve the doubling of GVA by 2050 unless that investment happens. That's the first thing. I think the second thing is, and COVID really brings this into sharp focus, what is that infrastructure anymore? That you know, It's as much about digital connectivity, clearly, as it is about physical connectivity. But hold on a second. The logistics and the connectivity of products and people is still very, very important. So moving people, whether it be through East-West Rail or better local road connections, et cetera, is going to be fundamentally part of that vision as well. I think the third thing, and this is the one that doesn't get talked often enough about, there is real serious disadvantage in our own region. And while we have a role to play in, in helping that national economy deliver and that national leveling up agenda, because we are one of the few positive contributors to the exchequer, you look at places like within a mile of each other in, in places like Bedford or Oxford or Cambridge, we have life expectancy differences of 12 to 15 years. That seems wow. unbelievably unacceptable to us. Yep. And what it does do is at its very minimum in an economic perspective way says we should be able to do much better in terms of improving our own productivity by just being more inclusive in our growth. But there is also a social imperative for us to be able to invest and do better in those communities. So I think it is a holistic message. It might be one with an economic banner and for the right reasons, particularly right now. But I think the challenges go much deeper in the in the kind of places we have now and the kind of places we want in the future. Well, it's certainly music to my ears. You speak of it very eloquently and with a lot of passion, Bev. So, you know, what motivates Bev and what's Bev's journey to get to this point? <laughs> well, yeah, I often joke it. Um, so I'm originally from Canada. Uh, I've been in this country for uh, almost 21 years now and uh, really enjoy living here. And, I, and, and and sad to say, I don't live in the Ark. I actually live in Berkshire. I, I probably shouldn't be telling you that secret, uh, Adrian, <laughs> but I'm, I'm speaking to you from 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 not so sunny Berkshire. Um, but but I've been a, I'm a planner by background. Um, try not to hold that against me. But I uh, my particular interest and passion is in strategic planning. And in this country, strategic planning took a little bit of a holiday for the last sort of 10, 12 years. But it's really making a bit of a comeback, despite what the national, uh, what the white paper did not say about it. I think this larger than local regional collaboration is fundamental to this country being successful moving forward. And, and I, while I'm obviously, I, I get great delight out of seeing improvements in local communities or local places. I think there is a real power of where it's where it's right to do so. It's not always right to have top-down or regional alliances, but there are places where it definitely is, particularly around infrastructure, particularly around major change and major regulatory change. I think the power of the ARC with its brand is something that, uh, well, it, it certainly excites me and I know it excites a lot of other people as well. Indeed, just as an aside, what brought you to the UK in the first place? Um, I was going to say my wife, but that would conjure up a really negative image. I, I my, my, my wife is, is British and we met in Canada and we decided, I decided it was such a great opportunity to, for, for me to, to extend my career into a whole different culture and place. So we, we, uh, we packed up at that time, um, our son, and then eventually had a daughter here. Um, and, uh, we haven't looked back since. So fantastic. Now you mentioned top down, bottom up. I mean, uh, my regular listeners will know, you know, I have an interest in China. I've been there and lucky enough to uh, to try to understand the Chinese system, which is very much top down, state controlled. In fact, they've got a big convention going on this week, right, to determine the next five year policy. Um, you mentioned central government. There's a government department in the ARC. How much of this, Tom, uh, oh, Tom, a big one, Bev, is, is top down? in terms of is what central government want and leavening up and maybe a little bit of delegation and how much of this is coming from what we want in the community? 
That's a really good question. In fact, it's, it's really pertinent. I've just come from my own uh, Oxfordshire Growth Board where I'm, uh, as of today, I'm still the director of. Um, and, and I was asked that very same question or very similar question. I think it has to be both. And, and, and that's not always a popular answer because there's a lot of popular opinion right now. Everything should be bottom up. But I, I'm a true believer that it's very difficult to ask people from the bottom up who are bringing real life issues and problems right on their doorstep to sometimes ask them to be able to see at a bigger scale and the benefits that can deliver the answers to those problems at your doorstep at scale. But I do believe you need both. And so, for example, we've just recently published and, and we're very much out promoting uh, our economic prospectus for the ARC. And we've been challenged, well, why didn't that engage with communities? Why didn't you come out and talk to us? Well, the truth of the matter is actually, we, we've been waiting for government to lead that space and it hasn't happened yet for lots of reasons. We had a lot of political change last year and there's a lot of issues to deal with this year. Um, but I think we've got to the point where we felt we needed to write something down as to what we felt from a whole bunch of bottom-up leaders, if you like, but in the collaborative space, what do they collectively agree on? Not what we don't agree on, we can always have that conversation, but really where are the areas they'd like to work on? And then we plan on engaging with the public at that point to bring more bottom-up into that conversation. But I, at the end of the day, Adrian, the kind of momentum and the kind of things that we're dealing with here, when you're dealing with exciting things like tackling you know, carbonless flight and you're dealing with a life sciences network where you're delivering not just vaccines for this pandemic, but for the next one. When you're dealing with fusion energy and the potential of how that could link up with uh, so many of our other issues around dealing with climate change. These are things that it's hard to imagine how you could deal with that just from a bottom up sense. It's not to say that bottom up shouldn't be part of it. Uh, and, and indeed their places are affected by it. But I think you need leadership from the top. We put government there as leaders for us to think in a collective way. And I think where it's appropriate to do so, you should. So I think my job, I think it's a big part of my job, is to bring those two worlds together to make sure mm. that bottom up meets top down in an effective way. Well, I was going to say, you probably have a large degree of um, influence in terms of shaping almost the straw man and then, you know, have other people critique it, right? I take totally take your point that, you know, some of this stuff is way beyond the comprehension of most of us. And we're not really informed now brackets you could say that about brexit to be honest but i'll close that brackets but you know you you're in a position that you're you're probably being tasked with right shape it you know come up with a strategic plan what's it going to look like and i guess you have to accept a lot of people will want to shoot holes in it right yeah that's absolutely right and in fact um you know i don't really want to sort of spend a lot of time dealing with it but i i think you're going to see people voting with their feet. If they're not happy with the approach that we're taking, if they're not happy with that collective top-down approach, you may very well see other authorities decide this isn't the space for them because they feel threatened or they don't feel like they can, can deal with their own local priorities. And that's a reality that we have to face. So I think that's part of my challenge. I don't think it's my, I don't think I could accept the responsibility that I personally can hold that together. But I think what I need to do is is help that narrative develop to where people can see that there's a benefit for why they would sit at that table. And, and, and as long as those benefits keep coming, then there'd be a reason to stay at that table. If they're not, then I can completely understand why people have other better things to do. And particularly, you know, I, I've come from a local authority background. I know what they're facing right now. And I know how hard it is to deal with just the day-to-day -day business of life. Yeah. So when somebody comes along like myself selling this wonderful vision of the future, it's very difficult to lift your head up long enough to be able to see it. But that's part of my job is to help give them a capacity to still look to the future while they're dealing with the day-to-day -day job. Um, but your other point is very fundamental. And I think the Brexit one's a really interesting sort of parallel, as much as it's dangerous to take anything as a parallel to Brexit. I think what happens sometimes is if we don't 
bring people with us and we don't be clear about what we're bringing people with this then it can cause a lot of problems downstream so one of the challenges we've not met yet i'll be honest um i think part of my job going into this as a full-time role is to do much better on communication much better engaging with public you know through channels like this adrian frankly is getting down so that people if not bring them with us because it's very I, you know it's hard to bring me along i don't understand carbonless flight i i i'd be lying to you if i did I, i'm excited about the prospect um but i think part of it's about education and understanding we can then build some sort of community involvement and more activity later but right now we just need to explain to people this is something far greater than an expressway which it isn't because we're not even linked to the expressway we never have been frankly um, and or a million homes, which again was never substantiated, but became an unfortunate headline. This is far deeper, far more important than those headlines, and that's our job to communicate that more effectively. Okay, so you've probably hinted there at some of the issues around Buckingham and some of the local authorities there. You know, not currently um, in this. You must be, uh, need to be, and I think you are a great, um, what's the word, diplomat, politician yourself, because you're effectively then building coalitions all the time, aren't you, to move forward step by step to some kind of shared vision and get everybody to buy into it yes yeah that our chair uh councillor barry wood from charwell district he's the chair of the arc leadership group and and it's his expression which i borrow uh, this is a coalition of the willing and if, if you're not willing then you won't sit at the table and that's fair enough those are, that's the right of those individual organizations to be part of this or not so my job is to think help uh sell a vision or develop a vision along with those people that they can buy into and that they can stay at the table with and if they choose not to for their own reasons that's absolutely right that's absolutely fair enough it may not be in my view the right thing to do but that's not important they are the local leaders who make those decisions but my job is to try and make sure they see the value of them sitting there so i think you're right it's building coalitions it's where coalitions don't exist it's also making sure that the information is available because that because i think even if you're not signed up as a full-fledged member the reality is these things are going to affect you whether you are part of it or not and I think it's right that we remain open and transparent so that people can actually understand what kind of impact this might actually legitimately have on them. And I think that should also be part of our job to make sure that we, you know, that we are as clear and open about what we're doing as, as, as we can. And that's, again, like the communications piece, that's something we could do better on going forward. No, indeed. Now, I would imagine that by nature, as well as by training, you are a, you know, a strategist, a macroeconomic, big picture thinker. Um, just looking across the patch then, Oxford and Cambridge universities, we've talked about the universities as a whole. I think there are 10, aren't there, in the in the ARC universities. But what are the other sort of assets? And at the risk that you might miss a couple of important ones out, but you know, what are the sort of assets that you're building this kind of economic prosperity on? I mean, Silverstone, I guess, is one clear example. Well, I, I think there's some amazing, and I am definitely not going to do it justice, Adrian, but um, and it's something I'm really, it's very difficult in the COVID world, but I need to, I need to do, I do need to get out more. But um, yes, places like Silverstone, um, places like, well, again, places like Harwell and Cullum in, in Oxfordshire, most people don't even know they exist. Um, but Cullum is literally the hottest place on earth. It's, it's, the, it's the home of fusion technology. It's the home of fusion thinking. And, and, and where we go in fusion in the future probably starts and in, in, in somewhere ends through, through places like Cullum. You've got um, you know, places like Bletchley Park, which don't need any introduction. They're, you know, the, the kind of uh, history and legacy of what they've brought and solved and dealt with uh, over time. Uh, Westcott and, and the space connections at, at Westcott Pinewood and, and the cultural facilities and, and, and infrastructure there. And then when you start to move you know, further to the east, you look at places like the, the, the Welcome Genome Campus, where you know, literally we've mapped you know, the, 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 the genome sort of cycles of, of humanity. And I think 
you link these things together and, and I, again, I won't do it justice because I'm not, I'm not a scientist and I'm, and I'm, not an, I'm not a professor, but I think it's really fascinating to me is what happens when you bring uh, energy, aviation and life sciences or transport and future mobility, the autonomous vehicle testing that goes on at Cullum and, 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 and Pinewood and other places across, across our patch. What happens when you bring those sectors together? What happens when you start to fuse together the innovations that are going on in those individual sectors? That's potentially unbelievably exciting. Mm. I, I, you know, this is a this is a radio show, so it's not a graph. But if you can sort of bear with me for a second, I, I one of the graphs that has always impressed me the most is um, University of Oxford showed uh, its spinout history and where it's where it's projecting its spinouts going and. And literally for, for, for years, for decades, they rolled along spinning out somewhere around three to five companies a year. Um, when they went out and, and got a very large investment portfolio together to support their spinouts, that grew and is growing to 40 a year. And its projection ultimately might move up into 150 to 160 per year. That kind of growth and that kind of spin out potential of the most amazing innovations in companies, not all will succeed, of course, but a lot of them will. Um, that's the kind of hope and potential that we sell in the arc. It is not, um, this isn't a put your money down and maybe things will happen. No, things happen here. And I think that's the exciting part. And those facilities I talked about, and there are many, many more, um, are, are really integral parts. This is a, and I'm going to be speaking planning here for a second, Adrian, so I apologize for that. But this is not a city-centered region, with all due respect to, to, to Milton Keynes, Oxford, Cambridge. This is a polycentric region. And so this is this is a place that needs to network together and combine the strengths of all its individual places and facilities. That's where it really maximizes its potential. And so part of my job is, is to link those stories together as much as I possibly can. A lovely phrase there, polycentric. So uh, I'm happy to pick that one up. Um, but if we placed Bev in the middle of West Yorkshire or, you know, another part of the country, would you, I mean, we're competing, aren't we, with these other regions? Would you be equally excited and find all the assets there? Or is there something actually uniquely special about the patch that you've been um, given to oversee and, and work with? I'm absolutely convinced that if I was in those parts of the country, there, there are great stories everywhere and there are great facilities everywhere. And I, 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 I can't really disagree with you, Adrian. I'm afraid we do have a competitive environment nationally when we're bidding for infrastructure funding or investment or innovation funding. That's the nature of, our, of, of, of how we work. Um, but one of the things that we've been at great pains to explain in our prospectus and, and, and to explain to government is, look, um, you can have both. You can invest here and get a four to seven pound return for your pound. It means you can invest in those other places as well. That's the critical difference I think here is that we have a success rate now that is really, in this country, I think it's unparalleled. If you, you know, There's nowhere else in the world you can put the power of Oxford and Cambridge together. They are unique in and of themselves, but the power of the two. Um, we don't talk often about it because it's not the concept that government has built, but this is an arc still connected to London. Um, and that triangular sort of growth is, is still very, very powerful. And the connections with the, 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 the sectors in London is still very strong. Um, I, I'll give you a couple of examples, though, that I was amazed by that, you know, we, we have the ability to develop technologies. It might be, it might be space or remote, uh, remote applications like is going on at Cullum and, and Westcott. But actually, it might be Cornwall that benefits the most out of that through, through the implementation and facilitating of a spaceport. And I think the story I tell is that Cornwall has fantastic facilities and so does the ARC. But what you want to be making sure is that that pipeline of innovation, 
that pipeline of development happens where it's best happening and the good things will come for those other regions. I think that's a really important message for us. We are not here competing to exclude those places. We're actually competing so that we can include those places and bring those into our success spheres as we go forward. Amazing. Okay, so um, you mentioned the prospectus. You've just been appointed full-time um, into this role, yes, as executive director. I know you've been working with the ARC for some time, but it's now full-time, Bev, is that? That's correct, uh, as of uh, Monday. Okay, um, so the prospectus, how do we, you know, find out more? If, we, if somebody wants to find out more, the prospectus, how do I access it? What's the website or how do, they, how do people contact you? That's a fantastic question, Adrian. And, and, and I would challenge anybody to search for our website because they won't find it. We don't have one. We don't have a central base. That's something we're exploring at the moment. We've tended to communicate through our partners. Um, so if you want to get a copy of the prospectus or indeed the executive summary of the prospectus, um, if you go to any of your LEP websites or your local authority websites, uh, growth board websites, you should be able to find copies there. But if you do search in the internet, uh, Oxford to Cambridge, ARC, Economic Prospectus, you should be able to find those documents there. If you can't, by all means, uh, get in touch. And I'm more than happy to, uh, to, to, to link you up. But it is something we need to look at. It is something we need to think about. We want to be very, very careful. We don't want to create a big bureaucracy here. There's no need for that. What we want to do is empower that, that collaboration, but we need to do it as efficiently as we can. So we are looking about how we can best communicate in future. But for now, I would look at those sources or, or as I say, come to me direct. I'm more than happy to help. And are you uh, willing to share your contact details, Bev, if somebody wants absolutely, to? Absolutely. You can get in touch with me. My name is Bev, B-E-V dot Hindle, H-I-N-D-L-E, at Oxfordshire dot G-O-V dot U-K. A little bit of explanation there. I am seconded from Oxfordshire County Council to do this role. Um, that's why I retain that, uh, that that email address. Okay, well, a remarkably, um, as I said before, eloquent and passionate um, executive director for a very exciting sort of concept, where, intangible though it might be. That's Bev um, Hindle, executive director, Oxford Cambridge Arc Leadership Group, bev.hindle at oxfordshire.gov.uk. Bev, thank you so much for coming on the show. Um, I think you've got a, a fascinating role, probably a challenging one, but you know, I just love the energy. I love the passion and I love the vision. Um, I wish you good luck with it. And of course, in not doing that, keep safe as well. Thank you so much. All the best. Thank you, Adrian. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed that interview. There are plenty more here on the podcast platform. And of course, you can always listen on uh, live on Tuesday evenings from 7 to 9 p.m. on NLive Radio 106.9 FM or digitally via nliveradio.com. Um, if you'd like to know more about the radio station, please do look at nliveradio.com. And um, we're always looking for support from the community and further afield. So if you'd like to support us, please go to nliveradio.com dot com slash support us. So until next time, thank you very much again for listening.